First of all, congratulations on Earth. It's a most excellent planet, and Bill and I enjoy it on a daily basis. Yeah, not to mention your other great planets. Mars, Jupiter, Uranus. <laughs> but the point is, okay, we died most unfairly. But we won the chance to come back. And we need to construct something to help save the women we love. Yeah. Hello, listening people. Hello. Hello, Bartek. Are you feeling very spit and polished today? Your name is Ryan, and I do feel very spit and polished today. So you're feeling hello, Ryan. Like you're feeling my name and that? You just need to interject that my name's Ryan. Maybe, yes. maybe I'm not feeling Ryan today. Well, see, it's it's always a bit awkward when maybe you... Maybe I'm feeling like bad Ryan. It's always, yeah, it's always, it's always a bit weird when you introduce it without going there. And you're listening to Spit and Polish Presents. I'm one of your hosts, because then it's like I have to answer your question and also fit your name this into is how, it. This is how you do it. I'm doing very well, Ryan. Done. Nailed it. I'm feeling very well. Co-host Ryan Slowinski. Insert name here. From New South Wales. Insert birth date, pin number. <laughs> September 5th, 1993. Yes. Um, 5555. 5555. Five, five, five. Your pin number's really easy, Ryan. It's, it's, I didn't choose it. I, that's the bank. Oh, you kept the default one. <laughs> that's, that's the bank's fault. I didn't choose it. We're here to do Pictures Powwow, the show in which we talk about a movie that has come recommended, and the recommendation goes in cycles. It goes, Bartek, myself, then the listening people, and that is you, the listening people. You can recommend a movie to us. But not this time. Not this, well, yeah, after this one, you can recommend it, because this one's already a recommended episode. At the end of this one, I'm recommending a movie. Next episode, you can try and recommend one, and if it and if you do, maybe it'll be maybe it'll be selected. Hmm? How do you feel about that? Well, you'll have to find out when you do it, and if we actually give your movie the the honor of being chosen. Uh, Babatek. You see, I was being really antagonistic there, and you just gave them the full explanation. Uh, no, I was being. I doubled down. <laughs> I doubled down. I, I guess should I, we do double down? That <laughs> great film. I guess I am evil Bartek. Yeah. Your evil Bartek. Latek or whatever it was. Ratek. Ratek. Your evil brother Ratek. Uh, we are here to talk about a movie that you recommended, Bartek. So walk us through. Yes, it's the beginning of a new Pictures Powwow cycle with my recommendation. Uh, I have recommended Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey from 1991. Yes, and for those people curious, you're looking through our feed, you're typing in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. We haven't done a review on that. Bartek wanted to jump to the second one Mm. straight away. Go go find uh, Sandima's School of Film. Uh, episode on Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I talk a little bit about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And I talk about Bogus Journey being better. <laughs> so here we are. Oops. Oh, oh, oh. oh you gave it away. Ooh, ooh, I gave it away. Oopsie. Oopsie. My history is I grew up with this, as did many people our age. We grew up with the Bill and Ted movies, or at least were having some familiarity with their existence. And I grew up with both of the films, and I always gravitated towards this one. It just appealed to my sensibilities. Uh, I love how weird it is. I love the humor of the movie. It has so many wonderful and amazing, and I just... There's just so many things I can't wait to talk about here. Bogus Journey is my favorite Bill & Ted movie. It is... The standout to me, I understand the appeal of Excellent Adventure, I do, but uh, this is the one that's won my heart, so when you recommended it, I was excited, because any time to talk about this movie and the uh, interesting details and gags and characters and moments, I'm always welcome to doing that. Uh, So what about you? What's been uh, your whole relationship with this? Yep, so I um I discovered Bill and Ted later into primary school, so mm-hmm. early so, to mid two thousands. Mm-hmm. Um discovered it with my stepbrother, but we first watched Excellent Adventure, we really liked it. It was just a really fun time. And I know that we rewatched it a lot. Um but we also watched Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. And um I think I've already said it in the past on this podcast, but uh Dude Where's My Car and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey was, like, constantly playing in our room, you mm. know, around that time. It was just, like, 
you know, in a default moment of there's nothing to do, just put on Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey in the background, even if we're doing other things. It was just we mm. we really, really enjoyed it. We've watched it definitely way more than Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, and ever since, you know, the later parts of that time, you know, I hadn't really rewatched the films. Um, so when we did Dirty Rotten Scoundrels on St. Demas, I think it was like almost two and a half years ago at this point. Yes, Time has yes. really flown. Uh, a fellow Australian podcast covered this. Uh, we covered Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with them and they're big fans of these movies. People, you should check them out. And uh, they've done episodes on the Bill and Ted movies. And so obviously them being obsessed with it, we have to bring it up when we come on there. Was there any other reasons that we brought it up other than you wanted to just watch it just so that you could talk to them about the Bill and Ted movies in some way? Like, was there any actor in Don't Run Scoundrels that I'm forgetting that's in these movies Oh, no, no, no. The only reason I watched it was because the premise of their podcast is like, mm-hmm. we watch all these films and then we compare it to Excellent Adventure. So I thought, oh, you know what, just for fun, haven't watched Excellent Adventure in a long time, I'll watch it. Yeah. Yeah, and that was first time watching that film in a very long time. And, you know, after all the love growing up for Bogus Journey, I was like, oh, man, this was actually, you know, I should have given this one a bit more credit because, you know, so much attention to Bogus Journey, you kind of forget the original one. But then I thought, Mm. oh, man, when I get back to Bogus Journey, I might really love it. Mm. And, you know, it's been some time, and then it was my recommendation this time. So I thought, let's do Bogus Journey. My relationship hasn't changed. I love this. Usually when I watch these, I watch them together. I didn't get the chance to do that this time around because I was busy when we were having to do this. We're doing this during the Easter time, so I have a few things on, so I had to prioritize. So I did just do bogus. Like When I do watch these, I do watch them in tandem with one another, but I always have my preference. And so I watch this on its own, uh, one of the few times I've done that, and I just, it hasn't changed. It is just, to me, a perfect studio comedy American movie. It gives me so many laughs, so many smiling moments, and also moments of, that's brilliant! I love that, and that's stupid. I love it, and, and just the difference to excellent adventure. Like you haven't watched, you haven't rewatched it back to back, but I'm mm. sure excellent adventure is very uh, straightforward, very mostly lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean they don't die and go to hell? They don't die and go to hell. The, the original title of that film was not Bill and Ted Go to Hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ex- yeah. You're right. Uh, although this is a a very traditional sequel in the sense of a lot of it is the same story idea, but the mm. execution is uh, drastically different in ways, obviously with what I love about the Bill and Ted movies, these two, the third one's its own thing. And it disappointed me in this regard is I like that they weren't just a time travel based series. It, like at mm. first it was, and then the second one's like, no, we're going to go supernatural and go to hell and heaven. And we're going to meet aliens and we're going to, meet death himself and deal with our evil robot selves and it's all of that crazy nonsense and so yeah my relationship hasn't changed too much revisiting this what about you what was it like to come back here especially with all of that history you just went through yeah it was also a really good time and just being able to appreciate just how different it is from the first one just the really I guess bold moves and the interesting visuals, like when they go to heaven, it's this giant place and it's like a painting and mm. and hell itself is also in the film. Yeah, and, and when they go to the future, we see the future for a bit in the beginning of this movie. Yes, yes. And it's uh, the building that they use, the exterior is... Uh, Used in a ton of movies. I'm pretty sure it's used in Biodome. It's, I think it's like a water filtration or something weird in real life. It's something specific, and I'm maybe getting that wrong, but uh, it's mainly Starfleet Academy in Star Trek. Mm. Like, in all of Star Trek, that's, hey, it's Starfleet Academy. There it is in the background, that building and the and the, the body of water there and the garden and all that. Like, the garden bit where they have their statues standing up. I've seen so <laughs> many scenes in that exact spot without the statues there in Star Trek. It must be like, before Bill and Ted became, you know, the saviors of <laughs> history. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, that's um, right. yeah, the, the whenever I've thought of this film, like, my mind always for some reason jumps to uh, the place in hell with all the doors, just mm-hmm. the really tunnel place it's so dark so you know 
four-way intersections everywhere. It's mm. just, yeah, really... Imaginative. Really imaginative. A lot of really striking... Again, a lot of scenes, just locations in it are really mm. striking. Like the place where they get killed with the Star Trek thing. Yes, um, yes. The Vasquez Rocks, yes. Vasquez Rocks. Um, Which is in like every movie, I swear. <laughs> They go there a lot because it's right in LA area. You just drive out a bit and go there. And there they are. I do like though that um you know the film begins on that scene from the future where Rufus is bringing in all these people from the past, and that does feel like you know a slice of the first film. Like, hey, remember the first film? This is the film where uh, we bring all these historical figures, and they're escalating the joke a little bit by having like you know made, a made up person from the twenty third century, mm-hmm. and and the lead guy from Faith No More, the band, <laughs> which is you know real guy Station. <laughs> I don't uh, know. I don't know why he says it. <laughs> he's from our time period. No, no. Well, I guess technically he's the version of that guy from the future because they treated like he they created this thing you and found, the guy's like, Faith No More Foundation. Or yeah, and he's like just that. like yeah, Station. I don't even know where to begin with the whole station <laughs> thing. That's like one of the most baffling it is, things. It is, but I love it. I love um, it too. Yeah, so you get this like slice of, oh yeah, you know, hijinks, people from the past. This is like the sequel, but then you get, it gets interrupted and the rest of the film's not really about time travel. Like mm-hmm. you still have, you know, historical figures appearing in like heaven and hell and yeah, stuff like they that. They still but... use time travel at the end of the film mm. to do elaborate little dumb tricks that don't make any fucking sense. Yeah. And it's stupid, it's... but I love it. And they when teach it comes... themselves how to play guitar. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to uh, time travel, like we've had co- conversations about it even back in like the Prince of Persia, the Sands of Time episode. Amazing film. A very amazing film. Unappreciated masterpiece. Go watch it. Um, Our first Ben Kingsley film. Yes. First of many, two? M- more? Many, many, many. Uh, isn't every episode got Ben Kingsley in it somehow? <laughs> have we done any pictures power with Ben Kingsley? Uh, I'd have to double check our catalogue and get back to you, but I hope we have. Thank you. That's my that's my request. For that's, the your, that's your request. Thunderbirds. We do that again. <laughs> um, I, I think one of my first big laughs happened and... In in that scene where Rufus was talking about like oh and we're gonna do this this and this in the fu- in future classes he mm. brought up a, oh next lesson we're gonna bring in Benjamin Franklin and Aretha Franklin I was just like <laughs> what's that gonna be about <laughs> being two Franklins of course <laughs> yeah I uh, I did really appreciate coming back here seeing the way that they do the sequel thing that movies do, especially for sequel of comedy, where you're taking the basic roadmap and altering it ever so slightly. Hey, now she's married to my dad. <laughs> he still calls her mum and everything, and it's just so silly. And She's your mom, dude. She's in the third movie, oh, Missy. Same I, actress. So it's not to they, see the third they, movie. It's fun. It's stupid. It's very stupid, and they obviously rework things, but uh, from the ending of this movie. But uh, yeah, I uh, okay. I just want to get get straight to it, mm-hmm. to the meats and potatoes of the movie. There's two things that I would describe as cinematic perfection mm-hmm. in this film. I've brought them up over the years on the podcast. I know one of them, and you are very right. <laughs> one of them is the scene in which they possess... <laughs> oh, yes, that one too. Their father, one of their dads, and a fellow police officer. And seeing those two guys, especially the dad... Oh, the dad was so good. <laughs> pitch perfect play them <laughs> is cinematic perfection. I would argue he should have won an Oscar for that performance. He you're honestly fucking amazing. It, look, if the, the other guy was good too, but he... If if the Academy Award is meant to be for nailing the performance, this guy nailed the performance because we've had and he's funny in all three films. By the way, he's in the third one. He's the funniest one at the third one. Oh, as well. he's good. funny in all of them. But here, you were saying like if he, if he should have got- this character right here, Ted's dad. Um, you know, assuming you've watched the first film and all of the second film up to this point, you've probably seen him in a good, like, what, 20 minutes of runtime mm-hmm. total. You get an idea that, you know, he's like the military dad, kind the of. cop dad. He's a cop, but he's always, like, threatening to send Ted to military school if things don't go mm-hmm. right. And he's very... Straight-laced. Straight-laced, yeah. He's angry. Angry. He's not exactly the wacky, funny character, but in this scene... 
this character who you've built up this image of is now possessed by Ted. And, you know, in real life, he's not being possessed by Keanu Reeves. He has to act, put, he has to act like the Ted character. And, and that's something important, too. They're not doing the, the quantum leap thing where we are seeing Keanu Reeves and they're mm. reacting. No, no, we are seeing the guy pretend to be Keanu Reeves Ted playing this and it's uh, it is cinematic perfection I I, <laughs> I think it is one of the greatest examples of acting in a comedy film I've ever seen the physicality the voice the comedic timing it's it's beautiful and even then I want to I want to just uh rebuff a little thing of you said is uh in this film though they do make a, a little bit of a him a little bit more goofy oh, that, yeah, with just, him and Missy. I was about to say, Was yeah. going to th- be the thing where they've kind of sh- shown him earlier in the movie to have that comedic angle that we'll see here uh, mm. a little bit more. And in the third film, he's he's amazing. He's, he's, he's even more justifiably angry because they've been doing this shit for decades <laughs> and have gone nowhere. And I, uh, spoiler alert for the third film, it has one of my favorite dumb, like, Bill and Ted logic gags. Um... He gets killed as he gets like vaporized by a laser with his police van, and they go to hell. And it's him and the van are both in hell. Like the van <laughs> went to for some reason, and it makes me laugh because that's like the Bill and Ted logic. Where it's like, oh, his van would go too. And it's just that detail cracks me up almost as much as this whole scene. But then the second guy, the other cop guy, do you remember? Do you recognize that actor? I um I remember that we once had a thing where we were confused about where we've seen this guy from, and then we realized, oh, it was the other guy that got the guy that got possessed by Bill. I couldn't remember who it was, so I looked it up. I'm like, oh, of course, it's from that thing that everyone's from, which is uh, Baby Lon Five. Oh, not uh, Tango and Cash. Was he in Tango and Cash? He was the one that got away. We had a whole bit oh. dedicated to the fact that in Tango and Cash, yes. there's this one fat, slimy, sweaty guy yeah. who was a real piece of shit, who was on the to-do list, and they never got to him. I did not I mean, I know him from Total Recall. He's amazing in Total Recall. He's in Star Trek. I looked Trek. at his filmography. I couldn't find, I didn't see Tango and Cash on there. Yeah, it's pretty sure it's the same guy. And yeah. so... Yeah, no, I know it's the same guy. I'm not. No, I remember. I remember. Don't. Yeah, he's put in the phone Total down. Recall. Remember, he's yeah. in Babylon Five in one of the best episodes. You could argue in Babylon Five, one of the series finales, and he's awesome in it. Mm. And uh, yeah, to see him here doing this, I was like, ah, there he is. I've grown up with this guy in so much Total mm. Recall, Star Trek, Babylon Five. This uh, I didn't grow up with Tank on Cash, mm. so I can't say that. But yeah. like, again, the 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 Ted Zad nailed it. But I wish he this guy could have gotten a bit more time as well. But he was good. He was good. He was good before he even got possessed. He was <laughs> I, pretty funny. I do like I his- your son's thrown into man. Like, he's making fun of him. It's so good. I do like his first line when Bill possesses him. Like, I totally believe you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the lines I always remember. Is that- um, Is that this- the other thing, the second thing that is cinematic perfection is William Sadler's yes. performance as death. Mm-hmm. Every moment from him- Serious or funny is beautiful. You know, again, both of these things you just mentioned, like, I remember liking them growing up and thinking, like, oh, yeah, they were pretty good. But, yeah, Ryan's laying it on really thick here. Now that I've rewatched the film for the first time in forever, like, he was getting me every single line, pretty much. I wasn't laying it on <laughs> thick enough. Like, like, I really need the stress. William Sadler as death? is in my top three comedy performances in in, in, a, in an American movie. For mm. sure. For sure. He is... He's awesome. <laughs> he's so good. Well, he's lame, but that's awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> he's so good that you don't even think about that William Sadler's two roles in this movie. Do you know that? Oh, he's like the British... My word guy? He's the dad. Yeah. The British dad with his actual real-life family, which is cute. Oh, that's But, cool. like... He's so, I don't even know, he's so good in this that, you know, I, I'm i envious because I will never be able to play a character like that the way he does here. And he, he's a guy that we've had on the podcast before as well. He was in Rocket Man. Mm-hmm. He was my favorite aspect of that movie, which was like pissed off guy in that movie. And I was like, oh, I love him because I love William Sadler. And I wish he was doing something more fun like he does in Bill and Ted. And you're like, he's death in Bill and Ted. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> he's really good. I don't. 
I mean, it's it's a classic joke, isn't it? Where you take the um, scary, imposing figure and make them dorky and lame oh, and yeah. put them in silly situations and they still have to have that level of dignity that they had, but you mm. see it falling to the wayside and they eventually embrace it or they don't. And it's funny either way. And that's where the gag mm. mainly comes and, and from. And even like before the first gag with him, he is that serious kind of betrayal character. Yeah, yeah he's he's the seventh seal death. He's, he's menacing and he's got the accent and... William Sadler, too. The thing is, I know you may not have the deepest familiarity with him as an actor, but William Sadler is a guy who is, uh, I would describe as a versatile and dramatic actor. He is somebody who would play real villains. I mean, he's the villain in Die Hard, too, for instance. So it's not as if they got a comedy guy. It's not as if they got Jim Carrey to play death. A part of the joy of watching William Sadler's performance is... He actually can do the dramatic side of this really well as the silly side of this. Like, you could watch a real life, like a real movie of him playing the Grim Reaper, genuine and serious with no comedy, and he'll be fucking great. And he's fucking great here because the the the, the, ju- the, 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 the switching of it is what works. Like, him going from being the seventh seal reference to being this brilliant comedy character and comedy performances is absolutely uh, a joy to watch. But yeah, I wanted to hear your takes a little bit more on it because, yeah, I've been laying it on thick. On this podcast, I think from pretty much day one of this podcast, I every time it comes up, I'm like, <laughs> I have to just really lay on thick. That No, no, he's great. Death is great. So I just wanted to, yeah, hear more about, like, what were some standout moments for oh, you? Well, definitely growing up, my favourite scene was always, you know, them playing the games with death. Because, again, it's that escalation thing of, like, you know, even though they've melvined him and, you know, they've already, you know, established a, a precedent for doing silly things with him, the established thing of you have to play a game with me <laughs> if you want another chance to live. And the fact that Bill and Ted get to pick the games, and obviously they pick, you know, board games, silly <laughs> games like that. And then you get this serious character just sitting, you know, in front of this tiny battleship board. like the, the, And it's not even, like, shot in a goofy way. It's just- It's straight on. It's straight on, but it's just this look of- He's pissed. <laughs> and he gets upset when he misses, gets upset when he gets hit, and then gets he, happy when he does hit. Best of three. Uh, let me guess, best of seven. You're right. You're damn right. <laughs> That's another line I always love. Best of seven. Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> My personal, I mean, it's hard to say because he is one of those every moment he's on is a 10. So when I say favorite, I'm just picking one that's coming to my mind yeah. that makes which me laugh. Which ten out of ten moments your yeah. favorite? Which which uh once in a lifetime piece of brilliance in <laughs> cinema are you gonna pick for this one, huh? Out of all of, uh, I really love when when they're nearing the end there and he is getting jealous of station, of station. And getting all of this praise. I made the wigs. <laughs> I pushed the cart. <laughs> And then the butt comment, like, I have a nice, you know, there's a nice butt underneath the robes, too. And then they're just like, okay, death, like, calm down. Yeah, we've seen your feet. That's good enough. We've seen the feet. And uh, that's uh, he, him looking at different scythes to get while shopping and deciding, like, nah, I'm going to go with mine. Mine's good. Or, was it a scythe or was it a hoe? It was garden hoe. And he's like, yeah. just looking at different things. I also really appreciate when they walk past the smoke and it's like, I'll see you. I'll be seeing you soon. I love that. And the guy was like actually kind of concerned. Out. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It is. I mean, I I feel like I have so much to sh- say about it. But at the same time, like it is just saying he's amazing over and over and over again. Like he's so good that he would reprise his character in other things, such as uh, Tales from the Crypt. There will just be episodes where he's a fellow host or he's in stories as this death. Oh wow. Yeah, because he was just so good, why waste it? Why waste it? I'm glad they didn't. <laughs> so you can watch him be this character of death and a few other things, and it's, it is a delight. It's a delight. And when they announced Bill and Ted 3, 
I know our friends at San Dimas Podcast and a few other people are just happy that they're doing it with the actual, like, oh, look, it's Bill and Ted, and the creators of Bill and Ted are still creating this, and uh, they appeared in this movie. The Chris and Ed, right? Yeah, and so people were happy with that, and oh, all I wanted was William Sadler's death. And we do get him in the movie. He doesn't get as much as I would have liked, but what he does get is pretty good. He's still good. Uh, but I'll, I was just concerned, well, we better get death. We better get death. And we do. It's easy. He's, he's very good in the movie. <laughs> and uh, he seemed pumped to do it again because William Sadler likes playing this uh, character. But I just wanted the, just, uh, I don't know. He's just, it's it's the master stroke of the movie. I was going to ask about the the cop scene, the possession scene, if that was like the best scene in the movie. Like, I was going to say, is that the centerpiece scene? Because when I think of like the big like why this movie should exist scene it is them using their ghostly powers on people like that mm. and going to the seance and doing all that and then going to hell and all that and to me the comedy uh comedy peak of that is them possessing ted's dad and the cop guy because those guys fucking nail it and it's hilarious but then it's like it's death isn't it like like the real thing about the movie for me is when you have the picture of bill and ted come back we mm. have a comedy sequel they go to hell, they die, they go to heaven, and all of that kind of stuff. You're like, oh, that sounds great, that's awesome, and it is. But what really, really sells it to me, what makes it go beyond the pale, what makes it go beyond being just a fun movie to being a great movie, is that possession scene, but mainly it's William Sadler's death. With the death character, much like other great comedy films, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, you get the big character like once in the first half, and then the second half, they're like a mainstay. You get them all the time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and definitely, because it had been a very long time, when I was watching the first half, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is a quite a long time before they get to like death being you know, the third member of their tri- uh, group. Of the group. Um, but, you know, they're, they're doing interesting stuff, like they're um playing around with like the oh this is like in the first film thing of like hey it's the future us's like mm-hmm. we should trust them like they they did good last time and you know yeah. they're getting unsettled at the fact that you know they're telling them to shut up and they're driving them for a really long time uh they see death and it's like this really dark thing and then obviously when they're the ghosts you get all of the uh ghost hijinks which is the big mm-hmm. scene um, the amazing special effects when their girlfriends <laughs> walk through them, <laughs> which I was going to say, that's the highlight of the ghost scenes. <laughs> and, the seance. And then the seance. And yeah, then you get the hell stuff and then you get death. And that's where, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, as we're saying, the movie truly begins. No, or, for me, it's when they well, die. Yeah. Not, because death true. immediately. Oh, well, no, in all fairness, I don't want to hear the Bill and Ted fans ripping their hair out. The Robot Thems is also a sell of the movie. <laughs> Seeing Keanu Reeves and Alice Winter ham it up as the evil versions of them where they say the lines robot chubby and stuff like that. <laughs> and the and the fa- they were f- the the framing, like I love obviously it's done for practicality sense, but the framing device like the visual framing of the they're on the opposites of each other all the time. So like mm. when we see them framed in a shot. Ted is on the left-hand side, Bill's on the right-hand side, and then the evil versions are, are mirrored. They're flipped. Mm. And obviously that's for a practical sense. Like, say, when they're throwing them off the cliff, it's easier to have Keanu Reeves throw Alex Winter off and then yeah, the opposite yeah. instead of them throwing each other's themselves off the cliff. But, like, I like that attention to detail, but also their performances. So to give it credit, like, we love death, but it really does start with, Get the cat, get the cat. <laughs> like trying to aim for the cat. Like those two perfection as well. I guess, I guess it's very hard when you're comparing it to, as you said, two of the comedy Hollywood comedy bests. But um mm. definitely they're a lot of fun. Like there's the attention to detail stuff you said, and then just the really dumb, obvious stuff like, <laughs> hey, let's still be like the exact same characters, but like dickish and mean <laughs> and you know, trashing something for the sake of trashing it rather than just being normally messy yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, and they're, and they're still dorks. Yeah, they are. They're, they're basically the same characters, but really evil. Like, it's not so much that they're, oh, it's the robot Bill and Ted who have e- evil inclinations. It's basically just the same characters, but evil, and they have to yeah, be robots. Yeah, and, and it's because one of the great things about Bill and Ted, these movies, is you have these beloved, you have these lovable fools who 
stumble their way through plot line to plot line, beat to beat, and they have this really naive logic that you get swept up in. It's it's fools, it's idiotic logic, but you love it. Mm. And they, the villainous versions, have the same kind of dumb logic. Like I really love when they find out that they're alive. They're like, oh, they're alive again somehow. Awesome. It means we get to kill them again. Like they don't question how they live. They're just like, awesome. It means we get to do this. Great. Ooh. Or when they meet the good robot thems, they just like, immediately accept that they've met their match and they just like lean in and be like, kill us, kill us. See you later, Ted. See you later, Bill. Like, boom. Like, they just accept it. And that's a, that's truly amazing is you have that, but they're doing it for evil things. Like, they're truly horrid to the babes, but I love that they keep referring to them as the babes and the girls and the princesses. Like, they keep doing it, but it's, like, in a very derogatory sense now because they're evil. <laughs> it's like, they, when they get, like, horny over them, it's like, later. And it's like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I um... Ah, oh, man, but it does take a little while for death to come in. But when he does, I mean, the fact... Okay, when I was watching it last night, I made a note. When they Melvin death and then they're walking away and they're like commenting about, oh, I can't believe we just you know gave a Melvin to death. Whoa! I looked at that and said, that's a line that the movie spawned from. Probably somebody probably had that line and it just spawned from there. Like if, or if not, like, or if not the movie, like we're gonna have like the Grim Reaper like be this kind of character. If we have the line, let's give him that. a Melvin. <laughs> and, he, and then he'll tell God they melvined me. <laughs> I almost feel like I'm doing a Betty voice when I do his impression. Betty, yeah. They melvined me. They melvined me. Uh, yeah. uh, with um, Evil Ted, after they push him off the cliff and they notice the Porsche driving mm-hmm. in the distance, I love that he has to like move his <laughs> fringe and they make like a little binoculars sound effect. It's like Terminator. And then, la- <laughs> and then later when the villain Denomalos is like contacting them, evil bill has to move the head like yeah, yeah, communicate yeah. with him i thought that was a wonderful touch that's the thing these movies as silly as they are they're crafted so well like yeah there's many plot holes and logical inconsistencies and blah 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 but then also it will be a movie where you have those comedic details that make you laugh that make you smile that make you go oh that's great i love that of course death it, you know, he has no shoes on and we see the shot of his feet and like I love those type of things or or um when <sighs> there's just too much there's too much like uh I'm getting a headache thinking about <laughs> like how many great moments and scenes there are in this movie like when they go to the seance and Missy immediately is like they're evil souls I'm gonna send them to hell and I nodded going yeah, that makes sense. I like that that she's doing that. Cool. And that it works. And they go straight <laughs> to hell. And I like that they talk to Satan and they're like, hey, he's an all right dude. And then he's not an all right dude. He's a prick. <laughs> Who would have guessed? I didn't realize until... And the few- Satan thing also was like a genuinely like kind of scary design. It wasn't like yeah. goofy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I loved hell. It was a really fun design of hell. Di- like they say, it's not like the album covers. Mm. It's different. And then they go to their hellscape tortures and they're genuinely fun and weird and crazy. Like, uh, the, the. Like, you start with a kind of serious one, but then, like, you get the childhood ones, which is like, <sighs> ooh, this is, like, warped. Yeah. And did you, you, did you ever know, or was it until this rewatch, or just me telling you now that Alex Winter plays the grandmother? That's him underneath all that oh, makeup. Oh, you told me this once, and I forgot all about it until just now. Yeah. Oh, I wish I remembered that when I was watching. Well, I'll show you the scene, and you'll be like, oh, God, it really is him underneath <laughs> all that makeup. He just loves doing that kind of shit. He, he just loves doing that. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're, I love the color palette, the vibrancy, and the almost sickening uh, set design in those mm. hell things where everything's kind of warped and big. It's got that real 90s aesthetic, this movie. Yeah, in like lots very of ways. cartoonish. Like, kind of reminded me, like, the doors when they walk in kind of reminded mm. me of, like, Rocco's Modern Life kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought about that, too. Yeah, and then, you know, one of them had, like, the really blue room. The other had the really pink, these, like, you know, funky 80s almost colors. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 80s, 90s. Um... Yeah, I, I, uh, uh, far out, man. I mean, what's the thing you want to talk about with this? I mean, this is your rewatch after quite some time as well. So, 
Where do you want to go? What do you want to talk about? What's leaping to mind? This has been a really gushy episode, hasn't it? What haven't we gushed about yet? <laughs> I'm going to say it's a flawless film because its flaws make it flawless. I can't walk in here and say, actually, this bit sucks. Like, I don't know. I don't feel good as a critic saying, like, uh, I'm going to give it a pass because it's just so fun. But that's the truth. <laughs> it's the truth. I mean, look, it's a comedy. I'm giving it a pass because I fucking liked it. It was fun. If the comedy film is fun and funny, yeah, obviously it's a pass. <laughs> if the characters are likable, if the comedy's smart and fun, and if the music's good and all of the like, acting's even, amazing, e- then I don't care. Like, even before we started recording, we were talking about, like, the last Denomolo scene where they're <laughs> doing- Doesn't make any sense. Where it doesn't make any sense, and they're doing the whole thing of, like, ah, well, to defeat you in this moment, we are going to do the thing we did in the first film, and we're going to go back in time after this mm-hmm. to give us the stuff that we need to defeat you now, and then the things just start happening. Yeah, and that makes sense, but then it doesn't make sense when his gun transports into his hand. That's not how that works, and then- Well, he's from, like- few centuries in the future maybe. No, but they <laughs> aren't. I don't know. It doesn't make sense with like the time. But that, That's right, yeah. Because the they, time they gave thing, him the gun. They gave him the gun and they gave him the key. And I thought that was, it's still clever, but it's stupid. And mm. we could pick it apart. We could pick apart the fact that they travel, like their solution is to off screen learn how to play music and then come back and they have kids and they just do it. And I don't care. It's just, it is, this is going to be a gush thing because it's nostalgic Mm. for us, of course. But also, as we talked about so many times when we did unappreciated masterpieces, sometimes the flaws of a movie are what give it character. We talked about this literally like five weeks ago with, uh, are we there yet? Yeah. Yeah. It's not a perfect film. But in a way, being imperfect is what makes me like it. It doesn't outstay its welcome. The characters remain fun, airy, likable protagonists and villains, even. Mm. If my biggest complaint in the... My biggest complaint, if I had to have any genuine complaint in the movie, is... Could have used more George George Carlin. I was literally about to say that, yeah. But then you watch the first movie, he's barely in it either. He has the opening monologue. He has his little bits, but he's not as heavy in that movie. Oh, I, I know that he's. I know that for his, you know, high billing, he's never in it that much. But you know, he really only had two scenes this time. What's missing is at the beginning of Excellent Adventure, he has the monologue, which George wrote, and it sounds very much like a George Carlin kind of dialogue. Mm. I, I don't get the sense that he did any of that in this one they just had what they he wrote didn't, for him and he didn't so, talk to the audience at any point no, no but or, or he didn't write his own dialogue because i think what was great about him in that movie is there was there's so many moments in the first one there it feels very him yeah. we had that sensation when we watched uh jersey girl when he was in jersey girl where there was so many that's a real george carlin type scene thing this one doesn't have that really as much mm. it's more he's in it hey pam Greer was here though yeah, and she was George Carlin. <laughs> she was George Carlin all along. <laughs> Pam Greer, uh, where she's basically the teacher role from the first movie, uh, the the older, more dignified black actor that they have in the movie, who's like <laughs> hoping that they do well, but is pressuring them. It's it's a super specific thing that they've got going on in here, but I don't know. I will admit though, at the very beginning of the film, she's like, "Look, I'll give you guys a chance because of this reason." It's like, "Oh, that's uh, pretty weird." I forgot that she was George Carlin until like right before the. Oh, uh, I will always remember <laughs> Pam Greer unzipping herself and becoming George Carlin. It's, it's like the moment she called things. them gentlemen. I'm like, "Oh yeah, that was George Carlin, wasn't it?" It's and George unzip like here it is. Yep, there's George Carlin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I uh, swimming in sewage no longer. I, I mean. <sighs> What else do you want to discuss here? I mean, have you got any questions about anything in relation to the other movies or or this or any specific uh, scenes you want to dissect? We haven't yet uh, elaborated on Station. I... <laughs> because surely we know exactly what Station is, right? <laughs> it's the alien, of course. It's, now, the, it's it... the alien, but it's also a thing people say. <laughs> From what I understand, it was like an error in the script that happened, and they thought it was really funny. Yeah, they so were like they drunk just, when they noticed it, so it was funny. So they just <laughs> kept it in and exacerbated it and just kept doing it, and it is an in-joke. It is very spadoinkle. 
<laughs> to bring back my first recommendation, actually. <laughs> but it's also a character. Cannibal the Musical did not have a character named Spadoinkle, as great as that would have been. <laughs> UK Ryan. I didn't expect to hear Spadoinkle again, but I'm glad we heard it again. Oh, I'm sorry. It's like, um... What was his ex-wife's name or the woman who left him? Tran? Yeah, now that's an in-joke, but if you know it in the South Park and other projects, it's really, really funny how spiteful <laughs> he is about it. <laughs> like, I'm laughing about it right now. Station's one of those where I never noticed it until somebody pointed it out and then said, do you ever wonder why that's there? And I never did. I just went, oh, that's just part of Bill and Ted. They just say things. Well, it's, 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 they say words. It's such a prominent thing in Bogus Journey, but it wasn't a thing at all in Excellent Adventure. So it just really makes it stand out when you have that first scene and, mm-hmm. you know, Faith No More guy just goes, Station! And then they respond, Station. Like, that's the thing you do. It's like the Zoltan from yeah, The yeah. Dude Wears My Car. And then just throughout the film, like other characters who are not just, you know, regular humans from the present day who just say it. And it's like, oh, this is like a, a saying. A future thing that's really common in these otherworldly places. Um, like with most Bill and Ted movies, it suffered a lot of production and financial issues to create it. Uh, I think there's a quote, I think it's to this movie, where it is, uh, I think Keanu Reeves jokingly said, like, uh, I can't remember the exact phrase, but it was, they they were going to call it, like, Bill and Ted's, like, editing nightmare or whatever, because it's, like, we they had to rip out whole scenes, they couldn't even film them fully, they just went, nope, that's gone, that's gone, we're running out of time, we're running out of budget. Oh, yeah, there was so, meant to be another scene with Bill's dad, like, fighting the evil robots or something. And there was meant to be, when they're driving to the gig, the, the manifestations from hell, like the bunny and the soldier and all of that, rise up and oh, yeah, attack them yeah. and they're having this whole sequence where thematically it would have tied into them overcoming their fears and struggles. It would have been more of a, you know... But no, they don't They don't have... There's pictures of it, of the bunny. Like, it's like a full-grown, like, huge monster. They just couldn't do it. There's not enough time and, like... If I did have to make a serious complaint, you can tell. The third act of this movie is just them running. Like, not the characters, the movie. Just like, we've got to get there. Mm. And then freeze frame music stings up and then pictures of stock things that apparently the writers didn't want. That was a studio thing. Like, the end credits in the director's commentary track. Like, all the news? Okay. Mm -hmm. They didn't like that because they wanted to make a third movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And that stops them from doing a third movie. Because at the, the end of this one, it basically says they fulfilled the thing properly. Here's what happens. So they're like, oh, fuck. So in the actual third movie, they somewhat address those things. Like them and death have a falling out in the third movie because of his solo album and all of this other stuff and negotiations <laughs> of contracts and things. Right. So And so he moved to hell and he's like an accountant there or he's doing work there and he's like really <laughs> pissed off with them. But in his office, he has like all of the merchandising and albums and like he's like nostalgic <laughs> for it. But he's like his death. So he's like a petty little bitch about it. And it's awesome. But like, yeah, so there's stuff like that, that uh, once you think about it, you kind of notice it. Mm. The first film suffered from things like this, too. But I, I don't think it's as strongly noticeable. There are things like in the first movie I think Red Letter Media pointed this out. I've never noticed this before. And then Alex Winter commented on it because he follows them and he interacts with them. Uh, in the first movie, I think it's uh, everyone in the audience is eating like custard or like chocolate custard or something specifically weird. And it's like, why is that happening? It's like, oh, because in the original script, we got cavemen. And they came with us and they had this and it just never made it. But that remnant remained. (laughs) So those movies, all three of them, even the third movie, none of them are like perfectly executed in the way that they were envisioned. They They were always compromised in editing in some way, shape or form where there's always remnants of what the original scripting was supposed to be. Or half-baked ideas never got to fully come to all the way. But yet, wouldn't you agree after hearing all of that, yet these movies 
still work. Well, I was about to say for this film in particular, you said you know the third act's kind of the one where it gets <clears throat> where it gets a bit fast. Mm. That's also the one where death is with them the whole time. <laughs> Um, and I guess also, yeah, the third act, we don't see as much of the evil robot usses with yeah. uh, Bill and Ted until, you know, the the battle of the bands, which is the big goal. Um, and I guess also, yeah, thinking back on it, the the introduction of Station, the two mm-hmm. little guys, and then them becoming the one big station was like, you know, two scenes later. So Yeah, it is very much yes and. Oh, now we have an alien. And and and, and now it turns into one big alien. And we go to the store. And we, yes, uh, uh, and Big Bum. And Big Bum and, and, and Robot Usses. Why mm. do we need Robot Usses? Why, well, I don't know, just do it. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Oh, here we go, here we go. Uh, the princesses are useless characters in all these films. They're just there. And uh, just, ah, uh, little Bill, little Ted. Uh, and, but it's charming. This isn't the snowman. Where the snowman couldn't shoot all of its film and had to edit this nightmare together. And it's like two and a half hours long. And it still doesn't make any fucking sense. No, yeah, this film kept all of its pieces that lead to the ending. Yeah, there are some things where, you know, I'm sure Cinema Sins would have a field day. Ding, <laughs> ding, ding. But that doesn't matter. We, yeah. Like, yeah. Talk, uh, you know, beat death at the game. Go to heaven, talk to God, get told about Station, go get Station, go get stuff to make Robot. He makes Robot, they go to the climax. It's, like, very fast, and when you think about it, yeah. Um, again, fast, and clearly things were cut out, but mm-hmm. it, it's all funny, though. Yeah, it's all pretty good. Uh, uh, I don't have much else to say. I have, like, maybe one or two things about uh, music that would just kind of be me on my soapbox here talking, because I know you're not as... Uh, detailed and familiar with the music side of things when we talk about movies, but is there anything else you want to kind of uh, tackle? I do want to say praise the thing that you said about the third act has death in it. Mm. So the sloppiness almost doesn't matter because I'm enamored with <laughs> the best characters, so fuck it. I mean, I guess we should say that the two lead actors are, I mean, it's Keanu Reeves, who's mm. a legend. And it's Alex Winter who, you know, he's more of a director nowadays, but like these movies exist because of how well written and how well performed Bill and Ted are. Like Bill and Ted are great characters. I don't want to say this movie doesn't work because this movie only works because William Sadler or the dad possession. No, no, no. Those two are so good. Mm. I've never had a love or hatred of Keanu Reeves. I've always felt indifferent, but I've always loved Keanu in this because this was like the one movie of that era that just let him be him in a movie, like the surfer dude, like the Mm. airheaded woe guy, but in a genuine comedic context and not like, he's the chosen one in the Matrix, yet he's still (laughs) Ted. He's the world's biggest hard drive. Mm-hmm. I guess I'd never really thought about this before, but maybe it's the thing of like excellent adventure. They're like the huge thing. It's like them interacting with all these people, bringing their own things to it. And this is still present in Bogus Journey, but we have all of these other grand elements that is also like vying for our attention. So it's like they're as good as ever, but they've also got, you know, as you said, two perfect Hollywood comedy things going on, all of these interesting visual things going on. So it's. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the same and they're great, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, we got to also focus on the other things and I, that's kind of where our gushing went. <laughs> yeah. One thing that I did notice in the credits, like after all of the newsreel stuff was, um, it was just a cute little detail that um, I think it was in the section with the cameramen. I saw this You saw too. it too. There were two camera crew members named Bill and they were nicknamed like Evil Bill and Good Bill. <laughs> Which I thought was very cute. Which, yeah, it's very cute and also gives you, you know, as subtle and insignificant as it might seem, like gives you a look at like, you know, what it might have been like on the production side of things. Yeah, like, like maybe the people actually were having fun making this film and that's, you know, that gave me a nice little smile. Yeah. Uh, Music-wise, I uh, I grew up with uh, listening to the guitarist Steve Vai. He's, he's a guitarist, obviously. That's his thing. He does all this elaborate stuff. He came from uh, Frank Zappa's school of musicians and all of that. And uh, he does some guitar work for the final bit at the end, like especially like the guitar solo at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you know Steve Vai... You, you can tell 
He has a very specific way of playing the guitar. He's very showy and very flashy. And I've never thought about it. Like, I've never really looked it up. But when I was watching the movie, I'm like, oh, that's that's got to be Steve Vai. And then it is. So there you go. That was just a little little detail for the people who, who like that kind of music stuff in there. I just wanted to kind of highlight that, yeah, I noticed and I enjoyed too. Um, is he like a composer guy? Is he like from a band? Or? Well, he came from... Frank Zappa, who was a musician, uh, singer-songwriter, who he would have, you know, cavalcade of musicians come and go into his collective of things. And then Steve Vai, he will just tour. Yeah, he will write his own stuff. Like he is just, like uh, he, he's a he's a he's a musician. So his albums mm. are just instrumentals, guitar. Like, he's him showing off how good he is at the guitar. And you can see him live. He will often be at concerts like G3, which is, like, three great guitarists teamed up together. So it's like Jimi Hendrix, right? Where Jimi Hendrix is, like, he's a guitarist. He's a big musician. Mm -hmm. So that's Steve Vai, where it's, like, he'll do covers of songs and and his own songs, and it's mainly about the guitar. It's, like, him. There's another guy, Joe Satriani, and, and there's several others that he tours around with sometimes. Sometimes it's just... He will team up with other great guitarists and they will just jam. Mm -hmm. So it is lots of instrumentals. He doesn't sing. He just writes music. And and so he he um he has one of my favorite descriptions of a person ever. He in one of his film clips, uh, he's on the TV and the family's watching it. And uh, I think a little girl says that they describe Steve Vai's album covers. Like they look at his album covers and he's like. He, he, he's like an upside down question mark, but with hair. Mm -hmm. And I love that description. It's a really fun description. He's like this tall, lean guy with like long black, long brown hair. And um, yeah, he just has a very, um, when you hear how he plays a guitar, and I'm sure I can play it to you after we record, you'll be like, oh yeah, that does sound like how Bill and Ted's music is at the beginning, of, yeah, at, the, at the end of this movie. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of highlight him, uh, highlight that, because Primus are in this movie. Mm -hmm. Did you notice that? Well, they said they were there. Yeah. But did you did you ever think about... I always forget that they're here. And then I, when they showed up, I'm like, oh yeah, Primus is in this movie. Yeah, I don't think I knew who Primus were when I watched this movie the previous time. So, oh, yeah. you didn't watch South Park? Not yet. I didn't start until like 2013. Ah, so you weren't aware of them being the, the theme song for South Park for a bit there? Mm. I guess technically still? I don't know. They've remixed it so much. I don't know if you It's been even... a very long time since it was just the plain, you know, original one. Yeah, they've they've altered it so much. The, can you technically still say it's The vocals are still there. But then, yeah, it's still Primus. Then. So mm. there you go. It's uh, That's all I've got for you i can't think of too much else other than more gushing more mm. praising great direction i love the direction in this is it controversial to say that this is the better bill and ted movie for me i it's just a blank like it's just a fact what do you think you mean you're a bigger fan of both of them like i like the first movie fine but uh, i know some people get really up in arms with this kind of shit was like i know you sacrilegious piece of shit the first one's gold <laughs> i remember when we were on our, our friends podcast and demas i just casually said like it's the second one's better and there was like a big ooh <laughs> like ooh you can't just walk in and say bogus journey's better why <laughs> did you see the did you see the movie <laughs> um no i've again since i've it's only ever really been, you know, these two films that I watch with my stepbrother and I. It's like, oh, well, we have the one we prefer, and that's mm. that's the universe of these films. They're the films that we watch, and, you know, we like that one more, so no. I was going to ask a question, but I already know the answer in a way. Where I was going to ask, is there that movie, series, franchise, whatever, where they have that divide, where it's like, the first one's the best, or no, the second one's the best, and you... And you have your like strong preference for the first, and then I realize you're a Terminator fan. You like the first Terminator. Mm. I like the second one more. I think the second one's better, but I like the first one. You like the, the, yeah. that's the thing. Like, um, like yeah. And while I like Alien more than Aliens, I know you haven't seen Aliens. You've only seen <laughs> Prometheus, the best. Alien <laughs> yeah, that's movie. right. Took me a second to register that. 
Um, yeah, it takes me a second to register Prometheus as a film as well. <laughs> Prometheus to God? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I, 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 I've mentioned before, I've recently watched the first two Gundam shows. I know that the mm. second one is considered kind of like the Empire Strikes Back of the whole franchise. Mm. And it was good, but I think I kind of like the first one more. So maybe that's yeah. a recent example. For me, I uh, it's not my favorite, but I'm a big defender of Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock often not considered to be one to to, to defend it, people like it but it's it's the star trek or oh, every odd numbered movie is terrible well, mm. i don't agree i like star trek 3 i like it maybe as much as star trek 4 which is a controversial take people say that's sacrilege but i uh, that's me my favorite star trek 6 so there you go um, but yeah, I just wanted to ask you that before we kind of wrap out here, because yeah, we're just casually talking about this, and I'm sure there's somebody listening being like, how f- fucking dare they just, ca- just with ease, talk about this as the better film, when no, it's, you know how people get, mm. where it's just like, oh, you can't just say Godfather 2 is better than Godfather 1, or whatever. I guess that's, that's to, another one where I think I like the first one more, but... Yeah, yeah. I like both. It's been a while. They're, they're both fine, yeah, yeah. second one has my well, favourite... they're both good, but... The second one has my favourite scenes in it, though, so I don't know. Mm, yeah, that's With Fredo. <laughs> <laughs> so the second one's all Fredo. I, I knew it was you! I love that character. I love that actor. I don't know if we're, you know, ever so religious in our... As you said, like, sacrilege. I don't know if we ever really... Yeah. have any sort of inclinations to you know you can't like that one more but yeah then again maybe something's gonna come along that proves me wrong so i don't know i don't know if i hear people tell me that they think x-men 2 is the one of the weaker x-men movies i'll raise my eyebrows that's what i'll say i raise my eyebrows up going are you fucking sure about that x-men 3 better than x2 fuck off. and then they'll say yes and you'll be like fair enough fair enough <laughs> uh, all right, well, I'm going to recommend the movie mm-hmm. for next episode. Of course, we both recommend Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. We both like this. No. We both, okay. Yes, we do. <laughs> My recommendation for next episode, we are hopefully going to have some guests on. Mm-hmm. I won't say who, just in case it doesn't work out, but we hopefully are going to have some guests on to give them uh, some uh, cultural appreciation. Mm-hmm. Put, them in, put them in our box, as put it is. Put them in an Australian film environment. I am recommending a film that we have actually both seen before. Yeah, you showed it to me a couple of years ago for you Australia already, Day. You already know what film I'm talking about. Because... I happened to accidentally glance at some Twitter DMs because mm. when you're using TweetDeck, it shows you preview. Ah, well, I'm choosing Idiot Box, <laughs> a film from the mid-90s starring Ben Mendelsohn, who's gone on to be quite the well-known actor nowadays for international people. But for me, he was, hey, that great Australian actor. I hope you, I can't hope more people appreciate Ben Mendelssohn one day. Idiot Box 1996, if I'm not mistaken. Where can people find this movie? Well, you can find... No, Ryan's can, asking, where can people find this movie? Where can people find this movie? <laughs> I don't know where people can find this. All I know is I have my copies of it. It may be a difficult film to find, and I can understand the frustration with that, but I'm recommending it because I think it's a film deserving to be talked about. Some more, we've referenced it over the years on this podcast, especially when we did Two Hands. So uh, I'm keen to give it a discussion. So people, next episode, Idiot Box, make sure if, to find a copy if you can. Give it a watch. Join us. And uh, that's all I've got for you. Uh, Bartek, where can people find us on the internet? People can find us on the internet, very true, at places such as Twitter, Facebook, both Mm -hmm. as Spit and Polish Presents. Um, We also have a YouTube channel where we upload our episodes. And hey, that's not the only place where the episodes get uploaded. We put them on our Podbean, and then that gets put onto the everything, pretty much. Mm -hmm. The iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify... I always have to keep asking my brother, like, am I on Spotify? And he's like, yes, you are. <laughs> he's so angry. <laughs> he's not angry, but it's like, yeah, every time I go on it, it's on the front page because I subscribed or something. He's so angry. It always feels like I'm very, oh, oh, am I on that? Am I on that popular service? Peasant. <laughs> Little peasant brother. Peasant who uses that service. Brother. <laughs> <laughs> it's not over yet. Listen to the end of the podcast. It's really good. Children, are we on the Spotify? <laughs> are we on the most popular site in the world? 
Joe Rogan's hosting site, Spotify. <laughs> Um, oh the, man, I hope this ages real well yes. for that comment. Uh, the only other detail that we have to add is that you can email us directly at spitandpolished at gmail.com. All of those are in the description below. Hit us up with a recommendation if you feel like, or any questions, comments, queries, or concerns. But uh, I'm I'm feeling great. I'm proud of us because we held back. And I wasn't too sure if you were going to do it at the beginning or end. And maybe I'm I'm ruining your end bit if you had one in mind. But I'm very proud that we didn't do any uh, impressions of Bill and Ted. I'm proud that we didn't do, like, the see you later, do all that. I know many people love that. I just, I was waiting for you to do that at some point. Like, I knew I wasn't going to do it. I was just going to be like, hello. And I was waiting for you to do, like, one of those. And we we, we held off. And I'm proud of us for holding off. That's that's my end word. I'm just pride's a sin, but uh, I'm engaging in that sin. There no, you go. it's very good, very good. Yeah, I, I obviously I didn't do it because the thought didn't occur to me. But you know, now that you mention it, Ryan, yeah, <laughs> uh, look forward to next week because it's going to be excellent. Uh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs>